This is episode three of Millennial Apologetics, a podcast with JJ Sass, me, and Eric Hageman. In this episode of our podcast, Eric and I talk about podcasts. We talk about our favorite podcasts, the podcasts in our diet, and when and how we're consuming them, and what podcasting means for information and media consumption. Based on some of the feedback that we've received so far on our first two episodes, we also tried something a little different this time where we just started talking and turned on the recording device. So the result, we hope, is something that's a little more informal, a little more free-flowing, more like that conversation Eric and I had over dinner that inspired this podcast in the first place. So with that, here is episode three, the podcast about podcasts. Anyway, I also I also this week uh, in the category of millennial things I listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. Um, in preparation for our podcast about podcasts, uh, and I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I I'm told that you did the same. I, that, that may be true. That may be true. What? So you you told us that during the Twitter episode you told us that you had a you made a conscientious attempt to have like a very balanced. Uh, uh, set of political voices on your Twitter yes. feed. Do you do the same thing with your podcast? Like, what 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 political or cultural podcast do you do you subscribe to? Yeah, I and I and I do. Um, so on the left, uh, I listen to Pod Save America and, and and a number of the crooked media podcasts. Um, so that's that's on the left, and then on the right, and and I guess the Axe Files though. You know, David Axelrod. Being That's a, not really. Uh, it's not real left that. podcast. I yeah, mean, he, he's he is a leftist, but it's he interviews a ton of Republicans, and there's not. He has his talking yeah, points, right. but yeah. Um, and then on the right, you know, I, I listen to, and I, I, we've talked about this before, the Remnant with Jonah Goldberg. Uh, I've listened to conversations with Bill Kristol. I've actually found uh, conversations to, I, I, and I like Jonah Goldberg too. But I, I found. Uh, conversations to have some really interesting guests and you know those podcasts tend to be a little bit longer they're yeah you know an hour 20 an hour 30 an hour 40 something like that but uh but that it gives the space and that's what's so interesting about podcasts is it gives the space to get wonky right. uh, in a way that i've never consumed that before in any kind of media um whether print or or audio or, vi or video, I mean, I've just there's nothing that has I think the the content of of the podcast, and so conversations is one that I've listened to a bunch. Um, you know, as I've spent more time refining my understanding and my beliefs in foreign policy, uh, partially given by the the educational program that I'm in now. Um, there are a number of podcasts that don't necessarily fall on the right left spectrum, but may fall in different uh, international relations theory camps. Uh, so a number of those are like Deep State Radio, um, which kind of spun out of the Foreign Policy Magazine Editor's Roundtable podcast uh, with uh, David Rothkopf, who used to be the editor at, at Foreign Policy. So Deep State Radio is a good one. Lawfare um, is another one I listen to a bunch. And then some of the really wonky ones on the international relations and foreign policy side are uh, like War on the Rocks, Net Assessment, and Jaw Jaw. Um, but that's like that's those those are 
they're current events in that they're discussing contemporary issues, but they're further down the spectrum. Whereas, you know, Pod Save America is, is kind of talking about the news cycle since the last podcast. Right, right. So, that, so what I've done is I, I've tried to have a similar uh, diet in my podcasting as I do on Twitter, which is I'm trying, you know, to the best of my ability to at least take a little bit from the left, a little bit from the right, a little bit from, you know, each school of, of thought and, and trying to bring that all together. It's, it's imperfect. And, you know, I lean in to some over others. And, and you know, sometimes we'll look at my podcast queue when there will be 25 podcasts there that will, you know, populate over the course of a weekend or something where I wasn't listening. Um, you have to make decisions. And, and so sometimes I make those decisions based on my own personal beliefs, but I, I, I do try to, um, I do try to consume a diet that's relatively balanced. I'm looking through my feed right now and I did. So I listened to pod save America uh, only in preparation for this episode. Um, and then apart from that, I, I subscribed to the Axe Files and I, and I listened to, to that religiously. Um, and then I listened to the Daily, which I think pretty much everyone okay. does, which, which, which tends to skew left. Um, is, that, is, that, is that right, though? Does, does every, because I often wonder if the Daily is just something that, you know, with the New York Times skewing to the left if, if the daily is a habitual part of folks on the left's day or you know kind of the the way they start their day but not folks on the right i start my day with it every day it's it's the you first do. it's the first thing i consume uh in in basically every day it's the only exception is if they they have a few things that they cannot shut up about um that i'm just tired of hearing about uh and the biggest the biggest <laughs> thing is immigration for me i don't i just They've done they've done literally dozens of human interest stories about about the border and the wall yeah. and immigration. And I, I I'm not I take that subject seriously and I think we need to discuss it seriously and I don't fault them for digging into it. They're, and they're doing good journalism. It's not, you know, it's but I'm just kind of tired of the sob stories um, and 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 I'm tired of uh, it's not it's not just like I don't think their coverage of it is like particularly biased. I just. I'm not interested in it. So if, 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 you know, if I start listening and, and I realize that that's the subject, then I'll just delete it. Uh, but past that, I, I am about as right wing as they come. And I, I listen to it every day. Um, I, it is, it was, the, it was the most listened to podcast in 2018. Yes. It was, yeah, it was the top, the, the, the most downloaded, most listened to. Um, and it is, it's, it's good. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's like what, 20 minutes long. Yeah, twenty twenty five minutes. Twenty twenty five minutes I, long. And, and I think it's a great way to start the day. It's it's what I put on in the morning when I'm you know brushing my teeth and and eating breakfast and yeah. getting ready for the day. Yeah, same here. And so I I uh, and and basically it's the the format is they give you one uh, audio long form, as it were, uh, where they they give you one sort of deep dive, and it's it's sometimes in tandem with an article that's coming out that day or that came out the day before. And then sometimes it's, it's freestanding stuff that, um, that they investigate on, on their own. Um, but it's, yeah, one of, one of my favorite parts of the, of the daily is when, you know, Maggie Haberman will, will break a big story or Peter, yeah, Baker, yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the, you know, big times reporters will break a big story, <clears throat> excuse me. 
and then the next morning we'll be on the daily to talk through maybe some of the sourcing or well i know maggie hammerman doesn't talk about sourcing but we'll talk through you know some of the some of the color on the the story that maybe didn't make it into the print of the story right. or into the text of the story and so it's it's a nice uh it's a nice additional commentary on on the story which i i think that just it it kind of sets the tone for for the for the news cycle which is nice yeah yeah and then and then past that i mean so if you can count that as lefty then then do i i, I don't necessarily think of it as news but i i, I mean i realize that the, the guys talking to me are lefties but um past that like my only commentary stuff is you know the ricochet podcast which i i listen to because i want to know what peter robinson thinks about things um i listen to uncommon knowledge also with peter robinson um i listen to the remnant with jonah goldberg and i listen to john Podhortz's uh commentary magazine podcast which i think is is probably okay. the, the best probably the best conservative commentary out there um so I listen to This American Life and Radiolab sort of on the same standards that I listen to The Daily, um, which is I, I'll listen to pretty much everything until it turns into sob stories. Um, and, and again, like each of this Radiolab is a little bit better, but, but This American Life definitely has a few, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of lazy uh, we don't have anything else to talk about, so we're going to talk about this. And it, it usually tends to be things about sexuality or, again, immigration. Um, and I, I just don't, I, I, I don't, it's, it's probably just a matter of taste. Like, I don't know if I have a super principled reason not to, not to listen to it, but I, I just kind of get tired of it. And I think it's, I think it's a little bit lazy. Um, I want to talk about uh, two things. One, is, have you, okay, I, I do not subscribe to a single Daily Wire uh contributor podcaster whatever um, okay i i tr i have tried all of them at least once and i listened religiously to ben shapiro who is who is uh one of the top 10 uh most downloaded podcasts uh in the last year uh yep. far and away the most listened to conservative voice in the country uh and besides psa uh, I think the most listened to political voice in the country. Um, have you have you listened to Shapiro or anybody else on the Daily Wire feed, and and what are your thoughts? Oh God! Uh, so we're we're getting into it. So <laughs> I have listened to Ben Shapiro occasionally. Uh, I think my my first, you know, I, I I have followed him going back to our Twitter episode. I followed him on Twitter or have followed him on Twitter um, for quite a while. I, I I don't know exactly when I first followed him. But do you still do you couple... still follow him? Follow him? Yeah, despite okay. my despite my best uh, my best judgment. <laughs> um, and I, but the first time that I listened to him on a podcast was when Jonah Goldberg had him on The Remnant. Um, yeah. Now, as our listeners, I, I know we were trying to maybe hide the football on our political views, uh, but I think we're, we're done. <laughs> this conversation has probably uh, has probably thrown most people um, has brought people to the scent. I should say it's not thrown them off the scent. It's the opposite of that. Um, I I may not agree with everything Jonah Goldberg says, but I, I I find his conversations interesting, and I think he's making most of his arguments in good faith and. Uh, as I think I, you and I have talked about, I, I read his book and 
the entire time felt like I was in agreement with, you know, 60, 70% of what he would say. And then I, he would just lose me on the other 30%. Um, but you but agreed, I, so you I agreed was, with the broad strokes of it though. We've, we've talked about this. I, I, I did. Yeah. And, and maybe that's something we can cover in another podcast is going through suicide of the West with, uh, JJ Sass and Eric Hagerman. Um, but I, I agreed with a lot of the broad strokes. I disagreed with some of the conclusions and I think that's where, that's kind of where I am with Jonah Goldberg, but, but that's a long way of saying I, I like listening to him because he's a smart guy and, and I like listening to smart people with whom I disagree. The first time I ever intersected Ben Shapiro in a podcast form was on Jonah Goldberg's podcast. And he opened the conversation by saying something to the effect of, well, someday we're all going to be working for Ben Shapiro or dead by and his hand. I, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so I got excited by this, thinking, "Wow, I'm 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 about to be wowed by somebody." And I just don't <laughs> get it. Yeah. I I just don't get it. I I, I guess I su- I suppose I understand the appeal of Ben Shapiro, um, but I don't understand why there's this fealty in the conservative movement towards him. Uh, when he tries to be a serious intellectual, but then sells coffee mugs on his website <laughs> that say that they're filled with the tears, with liberal tears. Yeah. And it's just, you can't put those two things together, right? And that just feels like the, that is the, the existential angst that I feel when I listen to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> this guy is trying to be an intellectual, but then he's also just trying to own the libs, and I I can't reconcile those two things. Um, so I I try very hard to to have a balanced uh, diet of of media, and that comes to podcasting as well. I can't listen to Ben Shapiro. I I just I I, I can't listen yeah. to him. Okay, I can't either. And our our more adept listeners uh, may by process of, of elimination have figured out by now that that I skew to the right uh, <laughs> since since the whole thing is one of Thanks each. Thanks for playing along, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't listen to him either. Um, the first thing is to, to what you said. He doesn't want you to listen to him. And you have to know that from just the, from, from really word one of his podcast. Uh, it is not for you, J.J. Sass. Um, it is, it is not well because he wants to own me, right? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Well, he, he, and, 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 okay, look, I think, I think that stuff is a little bit overblown sometimes. Uh, and it's his, his response to that would be along the lines of like, oh, it's all in good fun. And I actually do have lefties on the show and I am still to be taken seriously, even though I, I sell these funny little mugs. Um, but the fact is uh, you just said it. You you can listen to Jonah Goldberg as as a lefty. You can listen to Jonah Goldberg and take something from it, which gives it serious intellectual value. And I don't think you can do that with Ben Shapiro. I don't I don't think there's much you can take. Uh, if you're a leftist listening to that show, you're you're really just being browbeaten. Um, right. And and I and I'm I I mean I agree with probably eighty percent of what he says. But the things that turn me off to him are. The liberal tears thing, I, I, and and all the sort of related paraphernalia, I just, I'm not, I'm not amused by it. And and also, if you listen to the other people on the Daily Wire, Andrew Clavin, Michael Mills, and uh, 
oh, what's the idiot with the beard? Uh, Matt Walsh. Um, if you listen to those guys, they're even more like they don't they don't want anything to do with the left. They're, they they have their target audience figured out, and and they're there to to sort of spew conservative propaganda. So I I can't take it seriously. And I'm not going to spend 50 minutes of my day on it. Um, and then the other thing is just that, so so there's, I, everybody that I'm giving this podcast to has heard me say this before, so I, I apologize to all of you, but there's there's a line in, I don't know, I think it's in Mere Christianity, but somewhere C.S. Lewis writes that Freud was a great psychologist, but he, on, on everything else that he opined on, he, he, he wasn't very good. And the reason that C.S. Lewis knew that was that when Freud talked about linguistics, which is the thing that C.S. Lewis actually knew about, he, he got it all wrong. And I feel the same way about Ben Shapiro, so I know law. And Ben Shapiro should too, because he went to Harvard Law School <laughs> and, and talks all the time about the grades that he got in his classes and, and holds himself out to be like a, a real lawyer. Um, when he talks about law, he is so far off base that he just can't be taken seriously. Um, the best example of that is like he thinks that Marbury v. Madison was wrongly decided, um, which is not. And, 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 and I'll, just make, I'll just make clear that like that's that's not a ridiculous view to hold. I I, um, I think Cy Prakash, who's a very 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 well respected uh, 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 serious law professor at UVA, holds the same view. Um, but Cy would tell you like this is not like just the the honest to god truth. This is my view on the thing, and probably five percent of serious constitutional lawyers take that view. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. They might be right. But when Shapiro talks about judicial review, it's just like <laughs> straight up, Marbury v. Madison was wrong. Uh, and as a matter of fact, any exercise of judicial review is illegitimate. Um, and, and, he doesn't, and he doesn't he doesn't bother offering the other side at all. Um, and he doesn't even bother qualifying that view as like, you know, not many people share this view, but here's why I think it's right. It's just the God, it's just the honest to God truth. And he paints it as such that if you are a lay person who doesn't know much about the law and you trust Shapiro to give you the truth, you'll just think that. Um, yeah. And, and, and I have a problem with that, A, because I think it's, it's wrong. Um, and B, because he doesn't, as a matter of sort of journalistic ethics, he doesn't disclose, like, I actually don't really, like, I'm not a practicing lawyer. <laughs> I'm not a legal academic. Um, and this is, you know, th this just happens to be my view. And I, it's my view because I wrote a student note about it when I was a 2L at, at Harvard Law School. And, uh, uh, you know, it, and, and I just don't, so I can't take him seriously. And it's not, that's not the only example of things that he opines on and paints himself as an expert on. And he, he often just gets like flat out wrong. Um, and so then when Do you think he's in on the joke? No, no. Uh, you, I think you and I might disagree on this. I, I, so... Okay, I will defend Shapiro, and this is where, this is where like it. I, I'm not as bothered by Jonah Goldberg saying the thing about you know, will I be working for him or dead by his hand? There's a lot of admiration in the conservative community for Shapiro because one, he's an exceptional businessman, um, and, yeah. and if you look at the Daily Wire as a business, it's it's remarkable, um, and I get that. Sure, um, he draws comparisons to Rush Limbaugh in that respect. Like, yeah, we all know what Rush Limbaugh is, but the fact is, he's one of the most successful people in entertainment ever, um, and you have to respect that. And then the two, uh, Shapiro has a lot of overlap with like the sort of Jordan Peterson crowd. Um, he's listened to by young people, 
And okay. conservatives crave that because there's a, a perception, right, wrong, or otherwise, that, that we're lacking uh, in that demo. Um, and so anybody who can, who can get, you know, who can, who can get some, uh, um, some tread with, you know, that sort of, uh, 18 to 30 crowd or whatever is going to yeah. be admired. And so I get that. And if, and if he is in on the joke, then like all the more power to him, that's awesome. <laughs> and like what he's doing is brilliant because he's, if it, if it really is just a business and if he really is just trying to be the next Rush Limbaugh, he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, and I, and I, and I truly like legitimately non-sarcastically respect that. I don't think that that's what he's doing. I think he's trying to be taken seriously as an intellectual. Um, I think he's doing what Ann Coulter tried to do in like the mid to late nineties. Um, and, and she sputtered out and ended up being what she is now. But, but I, I think, I think that's what he's trying to do. Um, and the reason I think that is that he's, he's, you know, Rush Limbaugh never published op-eds in the New York times <laughs> on any regular basis. And he wasn't giving these sort of, um, uh, I mean, Shapiro has been given glowing profiles in like uh, maybe even like Time Magazine or something like otherwise like very you know left leaning publications, and he's become sort of a media mm -hmm. darling, and he's eating that up. I think I think in part for business reasons, but when he does those interviews, and if you go read them, it's not. I mean, it's written as an intellectual would write, and I I think he's I think he's trying to I think he takes himself seriously. Um, that's evident for if you listen to his podcast more than a couple of times, he clearly takes himself very seriously and he can't, he does not suffer criticism of himself and he doesn't, you know, there's, there's not really a game involved. Um, and, and I also just think that he holds his intellect in too high regard not to take himself seriously. Um, and so I, I think he, I think he does think of himself as, as, uh, um, a serious intellectual commentator. Um, and, and the, the problem with that is, I think he gets stuff wrong a lot. And then the other problem uh, is that, it, it, and okay, I, I realize that just take as a given that for the purposes of this episode, we realize that like we're a podcast and we're, <laughs> I'm criticizing another podcast. And so you, you want to be sympathetic or you want to, you want to be sensitive to the possibility that uh, the criticisms you're levying against the other podcast could be turned around toward you. And, and this is one uh, to which we're vulnerable. Um, <laughs> he, Ben Shapiro hasn't done anything. He's, he has been since he was 17 years old, a professional commentator. Um, right. And, and I've, I've said this to you before. I mean, the way I think of him is he is, he is a professional critic of a product that he has never tried to produce. Um, he, he consumes news. He consumes policy um, and then sort of spits out uh, commentary on it, but he's never, you know, tried to make policy. He's never he's never right. done anything. But and, he, and but and then and then it's okay. So I can think of other people for whom that's true too. But there there are people called journalists who go out and and you know well yeah that's a, find that's a and develop crap. facts. Um, I don't I don't think that I, I would not have a lot of respect for like an architecture critic who had never tried his hand at architecture or an art critic who had never tried to paint anything. That's just not. There are, and, I mean, and our three, our three listeners now are rolling their eyes. <laughs> and, Here we go again. There and back, again. And back we are again. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, but, but that's what I think of Shapiro as being. He's, he's not, he hasn't done anything. He's, he's written some not very good books. Uh, I've suffered through, I've suffered through one of them. Um, and, uh, and he, and he provides like sort of uh it's 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 it, as for the content of the podcast it's 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 
I think what Pod Save America is for lefties, it's just like, here are the things that you're supposed to think today. Like, here, here, here are the talking points. This is just like what it's supposed to be um, from, from a conservative point of view. Um, and I'm just not interested in that. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't find it stimulating. I don't find it valuable. And until he actually gets off his rear and, and goes and does something, uh, like besides just comment on the things that, yeah. that everybody else is doing, I, I'm just, I'm not inclined to have a lot of respect for him. And with, and, and, and with like, that, we've alienated both doing. the conservatives and the liberals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not only, uh, are you not a good millennial, but now we've uh, alienated the entire right side of the aisle. This is great. This, this podcast three episodes in is off to a great start. Well, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a good conservative, even if I am a good millennial, I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> get into that as we, as we, as we go along. I did. I, I, I used to listen to, to pot save America somewhat regularly and uh, what turned me off to it is that they were, they were it's, it's sort of like Shapiro. There's just, there are times when the things that they say are just like irreparably offensive and you just can't, <laughs> just like, I can't like sit here and suffer through this. It's not, you know, it's not just like they're saying things I disagree with. It's, it's more like it's kind of mean spirited. And so you just don't really feel like you were like in the crowd. When I, when I listened to it again this week leading up to, to this episode, um, I didn't feel that I wasn't angry or, or like offended by any of it. Um, and in fact, I agree with a lot of what they said. Um, but I was just kind of bored to be honest. Like I wasn't, it's like, yeah, these are kind of the, the lefty talking points. Um, and the, they, and, and they, I mean, obviously like, uh, they take the, they take the occasional opportunities to say like, well, this is what we would have done with president Obama. And by the way, buy my book about that. Um, but for the most part, yeah. and and those are guys who have who have done something in a way that Shapiro hasn't. They're also a little bit older than Shapiro, um, but they just uh, but they're not really bringing it to bear. They're just kind of telling you like here here are the things that lefties are supposed to think this week. Um, here's here's the sort of standard take um, on on current events from the leftist point of view. But that's I, I don't I don't I don't see a lot of depth with it. Maybe you disagree. I hope you do. Yeah, I it's you know it's interesting to get your view on. Ben Shapiro and Pod Save America, um, you know, because as somebody coming from the left, I'm as as you rightly pointed out, I'm not Ben Shapiro's target audience, right? And I am probably Pod Save America's target audience. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, for sure. Conversely, I think you probably are not their audience, and and maybe are more of Ben Shapiro's audience. So I feel a little bit like a partisan hack now, saying that I. I tend to enjoy Pod Save America, but I don't. I I, I can't stomach Ben Shapiro. Uh, where you just you just spent the you know the last couple minutes railing on 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 your own side of the aisles, shock jock, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> so I, I, with with all of the the caveats, then maybe I'm more of a partisan hack than than I want to be. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I I've I started listening to the crooked media guys before they were pod save America, before they were crooked media. So they, it started when John Favreau, who was uh, obviously Barack Obama's chief speechwriter, uh, um, you know, on both the campaign and, and for at least the first term, maybe first term and a half uh, of his presidency. Um, he was on the Bill Simmons podcast, which is uh, another podcast. That's actually the first podcast that I ever listened to religiously was the Bill Simmons podcast back when it was on, on ESPN. And he had 
Grantland and, and everything else. So I'm, I'm a devoted Bill, Bill Simmons fan. Um, but Favreau was on his podcast just to talk about his experience as Obama's speechwriter. Uh, and the connection that they have is that they both went to Holy Cross. Simmons is obviously much older, but, but they have that kind of mutual alma mater. Um, and that spun off into Keeping It 1600, which was the podcast that the, the Crooked Media guys did under the ringer, which is Bill Simmons's media company. I didn't they realize had that. Keep, yeah, they had a podcast, and this was leading up to the 2016 election called Keeping It 1600, where it was really, it was just the, the four of them talking about, you know, the, the, that particular week on the campaign trail, and they'd bring on David Pluff or David Axelrod, and they'd talk about different strategies and, uh, you know, that they, they used on their campaign. And, and so it was just, it was just a liberal conversation about the election that, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't particularly serious. I think they all kind of viewed it as a hobby. And then after the election, they decided to devote themselves, uh, you know, to building a, a media company. So with all that said, I've, I've been listening to them now for going on, I guess, going on three years. Um, and I, I think that it's different than Shapiro, at least so far as they do have experience. They've been in the White House. They've been on the campaign trail. They've gotten things wrong and had to correct them. Um, you know, they 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 have some real experience besides being a professional commentator, or I think it's to use your phrase that you used once when we were talking about Ben Shapiro as a professional famous person. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they have experience and they have the opportunity to talk about the news of the day in relation to, uh, and, and make references to the, their time in the white house, which I, I do think is interesting and, and informative and, and helpful. Um, Look, I, I realize as somebody who voted for Barack Obama three times, uh, the Democratic primary in 08, the general in 08, and the general in 2012, um, that is right in my, you know, that's right down Broadway for me. Um, so that is just kind of feeding me the the exactly what it is I want to eat. Um, and and even for me, I think there's a little bit of Obama hagiography that, go, that goes on there where, oh, you know, yeah. the, you know, the, the Obama White House did no wrong. And, right. and, and and certainly, I mean, even even I can can agree with that and, and identify with that. But um, yeah, I, I guess that's just a long way of saying I, I like the podcast and, and think that it's it's at least the best liberal take on the news, um, you know, compared to some of the things you see on MSNBC or some of the other outlets, some of the other more leaning, uh, left-leaning podcasts. I, I think it's the, I think it's the best, if only because they have that experience of having been in the White House and having been on the campaign trail and having sat in with Barack Obama during, you know, discussions around important speeches that he gave and, and important policies that he advocated for in his presidency. So I, I, I think there's a difference, but it might just be that I'm a, I'm a partisan hack and I'm, I'm giving them more no, credit than maybe they like. No, no, no. I, I, I give them more credit too. And, and also I, I will say that like, okay, two things. One, I listened to them faithfully for a while. Um, but that was right. I think right after the 16 election and I'm sure it's changed a lot. And like, as you and I get into this, you're finding it's, it's very hard to do this. 
<laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not as simple as, as recording a phone call. Um, and, and so, you know, maybe they've improved. Um, and I only listened to one episode recently. And so I, I don't really have a basis to, to offer too heavy criticisms. And then I, I, I agree with you that, I mean, it's certainly more heavy hitting and more informed than Shapiro is the things that bothered me about it are, or it didn't really bother me. I just, I, I really just found it boring. I just, I didn't, I like when, when, so maybe the best analog on the rights of Pod Save America is the Ricochet podcast, which is James, okay. James Lilacs, Rob Long, Peter Robinson. And I, I think I'm missing somebody, but whatever. Um, and they give a sort of like, bounce around on the the conservative news of the day um and what i like about them that i don't see with with the psa guys is that they well two things one they have they, they're a lot older and they have great historical perspective um and so they can tell you like hey this is kind of like this thing that happened in you know the 1984 election and or like the 1986 midterms you're like who the hell knows about the 1986 midterms you know and and, and yeah. I, think, I think for the psa guys it's pretty much like history starts in like 2006 <laughs> and and past that and like whenever they're whenever they're uh I, like i noticed this a couple of times uh on the episode that i listened to yesterday like they would get into like donald trump is breaking all of these historical norms and and no no other president has ever done anything like this like think about obama and think about bush etc <laughs> and like and maybe throw in a clinton and you're like well, hold on, hold on a second. Like you're you're missing a few. Um, and, and, you know, you, you well, got to, to quote Ron Swanson. History started <laughs> on July fourth, seventeen seventy six, right. and everything that happened before that was is a, a mistake. So yeah, maybe 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 uh, I I can't remember what date <laughs> I can't remember what date uh, Barack Obama got the the Democratic nomination. But yeah, maybe they think of that the same way. Well, I think um, I think history began the day he gave the two thousand four Democratic. Yeah, I was I, I was just about to correct myself and say that that that's that's probably the the better marker yeah um but i just i i you know i wish they had somebody like axe on who's like been around forever um and and can say like you know yeah trump is is breaking norms here but let me tell you there have been some other bad guys in the past um yeah i've seen this kind of thing before uh no this is truly uh truly historic in the sense of like this hasn't happened before it's unique um among among relevant events, um, and I just don't see that as much. But but I think that I think the conceit of their podcast is is, and maybe this is Shapiro's as well, and 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 certainly I think it's the the conceit of our podcast is that they're talking about things in a way that is supposed to resonate more with their target audience. Yeah, and and, target and, audience, right? And and we know that, minute. and we know that because they use the f word three times a minute. <laughs> that's no, but, that's but, how they resonate. But it's deeper. It's, deep, it's deeper than that, right? It's 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 the lens of seeing the political landscape through. It's it's seeing the political landscape through the lens of somebody who was born between, call it, nineteen eighty three and nineteen ninety six or something like that, right? Um, and, and I I think you know part of why and this goes back to our, our second podcast of millennial why we call ourselves millennial apologetics uh, apologists rather is because apologisms um the reason we call ourselves millennial apologists or, or the reason i call myself one is because it i i think that there is a unique set of 
viewpoints and lenses that I bring that are just by virtue of being born in 1990 and growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and I think that they're trying to build a podcast that in the way that Rush was so po uh, was so powerful in the 80s and well i don't know when, when, did, when did rush start in the 80s or, or in the 90s i, but, I think you know, of him in, as being like a very 80s guy but i i know he yeah start before so that. the way that rush resonated in the 90s or excuse me in the 80s and and later into the 90s and even still now i think that they're trying to resonate with a generation um and yeah, if, does that mean that they throw out the F word every so often? Sure, maybe that's part of it. But I, I think it's deeper than that. Um, and I, it, I also think that's part of the point of our podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll right? give, yeah, I'll give you that. And I'll, I'll, I mean, yeah, maybe my criticisms of them are a statement against interest um, for for me and for us. I guess, I guess my, I guess my problem with it is, it's, it's cabin to situations where you know they're drawing on experience and they're holding themselves out as like not not just not just having a a unique uh lens but of, of being experts in something um sure when when in reality like they, they don't really seem to know or or at least you know express knowledge all that much of, of things that have happened in the past um but that's i mean that's i don't that's probably that probably wraps into my my criticisms of the left more broadly um that that don't need to be hashed out right now um, at least in this context. Um, and, and we've already established as well that I'm not a good millennial. So maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not in their target audience, not just because I'm a conservative, but because I'm, I'm a, uh, non-millennial millennial conservative. I guess the, the bigger question that I have on, on podcasts and whether it's Shapiro, the popular, uh, the popularity of, of Shapiro, the popularity of, of crooked media is what podcasting means to the political discourse, what podcasting means to news and media consumption, what podcasting looks like five years from now, um, you know, the, the effects that podcasting has on, on society in general. And, and I think one interesting illustration of that is the sponsors of a lot of these podcasts are all the same. And there a, a bunch of the names of the sponsors are products or services that I use. And I use them because they've been on a bunch of podcasts and that's how I found out about them. And, you know, I used to always joke with my mom that the people on Madison Avenue that, you know, come up with the stupid television jingles or the, the kitschy gimmicks of, you know, green ketchup or whatever, were targeting people like my mom and targeting my mom specifically because she would always fall for that. <laughs> but, but maybe, you know, maybe dollar shave club or seat geek or blue apron or indochino or or whatever maybe i'm the you know they're building their marketing campaigns to target me as a millennial listening to podcasts um so i just it, it's interesting to think about what podcasting has done to our political discourse our news cycles um and what it will continue to do if it if it will replace traditional media as as it's been um, you know, a, a part of our discourse so far. Well, I think it's okay. It's a great advertising uh, forum, right? Yeah. Uh, that's you, you can you can have very long ads on podcasts. Uh, they are spoken in the voice of the person that you're listening to, um, and it's pretty hard to skip past them, 
right? It, it's yep. And and also like you know we talked earlier about how we we we're doing other things while we're listening to podcasts. So like I don't okay usually so in the morning I'm cooking breakfast. I'm puttering around my apartment. My phone is plugged in and charging in my bedroom and playing through my Amazon Echo. And when it comes to an ad, I'm not going to go like skip past the thing. Right. And even when it's, and when you even, and if you're running, it's on your, you know, the thing is on your little strap on your arm. And and again, like you're not going to, you're not going to bother skipping past it. So it becomes like you, you actually capture people's attention in a way that you probably can't in any other medium. I mean, and think about like, I, I, I don't have cable at all. Um, I watch Netflix and yeah, Hulu and, and I pay for the ad free versions of both. Um, I don't think, I actually don't think there's an ad version of, of Netflix, but I pay for the ad free version of Hulu. And so I don't, I don't consume ads that way. Um, I consume ads on YouTube and I, I ignore them. Um, cause they irritate me because it's like an impediment to getting to the thing that you're trying to watch. Um, and in the course of, <laughs> and then, and then like online, I guess I come across, yeah, I guess you come across ads online, but again, like the websites that I visit frequently are, are well, just like Gmail. Um, I get some ads on Twitter, not many though, cause they don't know that much about me. Um, and then I pay for the ad free versions of, of the, of the two or three magazines that I, that I read regularly. Um, so that's mm-hmm. kind of the one shot, you know, if you're, if you're, yeah. if you're an advertiser trying to get to, to Eric Hageman or JJ Sass, that might be not just the best option you have, but the only one. I, you know, there's an interesting uh, scam, I guess that's going on. Uh, I don't know if it's a scam. It might just be good business, but there's an interesting go- thing going on on Instagram where Instagram quote influencers will, you know, they'll, they'll do, They'll take a picture and they'll be wearing Nike shoes and it will say hashtag ad and to make it look as though Nike is paying them to do an ad, but they're not actually being paid for it. Yeah. Uh, They're just doing it to try to increase their credibility. So I think we should think about doing that. This this episode of Millennial Apologetics is brought to you by, um, you know, an ad, ad, whatever company here and, and go from there. So, okay. I got two more questions for you. Um, and these aren't like, I'm not trying to spur more conversation. I genuinely want to know the answers. One is, does pod save America ever talk about like leftist infighting? And by that, I mean like, 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 so, so one thing I love about Ricochet is, is it will tell you, they'll tell you like, here are the divisions in the concern among the conservative intelligentsia that have been, you know, uh, you know, born pre Nixon and, and that are still rearing their heads today, even if you don't see them or hear them talked about. And I love that. And I would love that, uh, on the left. They, they do, they do. I I mean, the, the big division and this, uh, you know, is limited in terms of its, its history, but one division, obviously that's talked about a great deal is the Hillary versus Bernie division of 2016. Um, I don't know that it goes back if the divisions go back much further, I mean, they talk about some of the divisions of the Hillary crowd versus the Obama crowd in 08. Um, but they, they actually recently, it was in their, you know, in their new year's episode, they were talking about how going into the 2020 primaries, they want to talk more honestly about Democrats and criticize Democrats uh, more. 
which I thought was interesting. That's music that, uh, to my ears. That they well that they want to be a part of that. I, I think what they're doing is they're trying to become a bigger part of the uh, of the Democratic Party zeitgeist, if you will, and and have a bigger role in shaping who the nominee is. Um, and so I think that they want to criticize. They've they've been hesitant to criticize Democrats in the past, and I think they've hinted at the fact that that's going to change. Uh, going into 2020. So are they, okay, are there divisions among the members of that podcast? Like, do they fight? No. Really? Okay. Okay. No, there, there aren't a ton of, and I think that's part of it is there, there might be divisions and you get the feeling that there are some disagreements across the, the four main hosts of the show. Um, but they don't spend a ton of time airing those grievances. Interesting. And, and they've talked about recently how they want to start spending more time talking about those differences um, so, so, because it will have an impact on 2020. So like if they got into the 2020 scene, do you think it's more likely that they would like among the four of them decide like uh, Kamala Harris is our person and we're and we're shilling Kamala Harris on our podcast now? Or do you think it's like, you know, Pfeiffer's going to take one. Uh, Fabro's going to take another, you know, and then they're and they're going to duke it out. I I don't know is the is the answer to that. I, it seemed going into 2018, it seemed as though they were already shilling for Beto 2020. Um, that has since died down, and they've started talking up other Democrats, huh. uh, particularly Elizabeth Warren. Um, but I, I don't know if I, I don't, I would assume that they will at some point make a decision and throw the full support of the podcast platform behind that candidate. Um, but from a business standpoint, maybe they won't want to do that because, you know, if that, if that candidate doesn't win, then it's a, it makes them look less influential. Okay. This is getting into a theory that I have about politics in general. I've, I've heard so I hear a lot of lefties talk about how like the right is organized and they decide things and then they just push those things and there's not room for dissent. And that's why they beat us in elections. And I, I just think precisely the opposite is true, or at least it's becoming true. I like, if they actually did that, I, I can't think of another, of another podcast on the right or another group of people on the right that where that would be considered like an intellectually honest or acceptable or interesting thing to do. And, and the the most, the most I can think about is, is national review running the against Trump conservatives against Trump uh, article. And and, and with that one, it wasn't, they didn't even endorse uh, a particular competitor. They just said like, you know, sort of speaking for the, the old guard conservative wing and the Buckleyites uh, were not okay with this guy. Um, Anyway. Okay. And then my second question is, is there, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean for this to be a commentary on, on uh, Positive America, but I can think of, and I subscribe to probably at least half a dozen, and, and, I'm, and there are probably two dozen more uh, serious, wonky, conservative podcasts. Everything from mm-hmm. like, like uh, Commentary Magazine or... Uh, 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 Ricochet, which is like current events all the way to like Victor Davis Hanson has this thing called The Classicist where he gives you a little historical spin. 
is there, and then, and then there's also something called Guap Culture, which is um, uh, Jonah Goldberg, Rob Long, and John Pod Horitz, uh, and they they do yeah. like sort of uh, lighthearted movie reviews and stuff like. Is there, but there, the thing that, that that ties all this together is that these are all historically aware, serious intellectuals uh, addressing things from a conservative point of view. And my question is, is there a version of that on the left in in any in any field? Uh, that's an, that's an that's an interesting way to phrase it, um, and I think to the very discreet question you asked, the answer is no, because the the folks on the left that are more popular, particularly in the podcast podcast crowd, um, tend to be younger. Yeah, and yeah. I I don't I don't know if that's just uh, the nature of the left as it is, or or if it's something else. Um, oh, so I, I it's mean, the medium. It, it's the medium in part. It is. It is right. So I think if you had Ezra Klein on this podcast, he would say, "Yes, I am the I am the right, right. the left's version of that." Right. right. And and I think there's a lot of you know I, I know conservatives love to hate on Ezra Klein, um, but I think there's some truth to that, and I, I I do think he he approaches a lot of his he approaches his work with an intellectual uh, uh, objective. Um, and I also think he's, he's relatively fair. You know, he gets, he gets criticized a bunch on Twitter, but if you listen to his podcast, he's actually, um, you know, he's had David French on, he's had a, a it, plenty of conservatives on. Is it, is it more like, is, I, I haven't listened to his podcast and I just subscribed to it on my iPad as you, as you said it. Um, and yeah. so I'll listen to at least a few. Is it so? I I loved Ezra Klein and thought he was brilliant and read him religiously when he was at the Washington Post, and right on Wong blog. Yeah, and when he started Vox, I was like thrilled, uh, out of yeah. my mind thrilled. I thought it was going to be like because I thought it was going to be more of that. You know, I thought it was going to be like really really heavy hitting uh, uh, journalism, and he was going to go seek out the other twenty somethings and thirty somethings who were who were you know writing at that level. Um, and with that amount of knowledge and, and obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious. I, I don't, this, this is biased, but I, like Vox has just, I, I have no interest in reading it. It's, I, I read it for close to a year before I, before I gave up on it, but it really, what it really is, is it's kind of, it's kind of lefty Shapiro where it's like, uh, it's, it's just attempting to paint opinions as facts and, and it's taking a, like a remarkably short-sighted view of something and then just painting it as like here's like the postcard version of this issue is it is his podcast more one or the other and like, or like what's the what's the what's the shtick is it more like wonky or is it just yeah the, here are the liberal talking points yeah the, the it's definitely wonkier so there's the ezra klein podcast and then there's the weeds podcast which by the name suggests or as the name suggests they're they're trying to get in the weeds of particular policy is that also is that also by vox it it is yes that's with ezra klein and uh some group of a somewhat rotating group of of vox writers that includes sarah cliff and matt iglesias and, and a couple others um yeah it's it's definitely wonkier when and it it sounds as though it's coming from a better faith position than I than maybe some of the more clickbaity titled articles that Vox will often push out. Um, but the, his podcast in particular, though, I find fantastic because it's you know it's a fifty five minute discussion with 
some really interesting people. Um, and, and I think the way that he thinks is, is interesting and, and useful. And so I, I enjoy it. And I, I think that there's, there's definitely some, some meat to that podcast. Um, I, I know what you mean with the postcard version. I think there's a, I think it's, it's part of the, just the nature of media today, right? Where things move quickly. People want, what's the key takeaway? I don't want to have to think about this. Right, much. There's, right. there's a limited audience for the deep dive, right. you know, 10,000 word piece on something. Um, and, and that's why the, the fact that podcasts are emerging as a, uh, not really emerging, have emerged as a, as a, an important uh, media outlet is interesting because it is long form discussion that tends to be a little long here um yeah it, but no I, it's I it's super long it, appetite for that stuff right if, if you if you translated uh like take conversations with bill crystal uh yeah an hour and 40 minutes is not uncommon for him and right that's a lot of written word like that's 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 got to be that's certainly 5,000 words right and and yeah, it's probably it's probably close right. to ten thousand, which is like that. That's a lot. <laughs> it's half a book, <laughs> you know, um, not a long book, but but still. Um, so that that's an interesting observation. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, we're gonna stop recording in a minute here. Um, I'll say again, thank you all for your feedback. Uh, keep it coming, um, please. Really, it's it's uh it's valuable. We we spent a lot of time in the pre-show discussing it and, and trying to respond to it. Um, we're, we're trying different things each time we record these and we're, we're taking advantage of, of our, uh, our beta, uh, mode. Um, we are now, yeah, for, for example, our next episode is going to be entirely in Spanish. <laughs> uh, so that'll be an interesting one. So... Especially interesting because neither of us, do you, do you speak Spanish? Sí, señor. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Estoy aprendiendo español ahora. Wow. Uh, I know what you, I know what you said. But I don't know how to respond to it. Uh, I I speak Italian, which is which is a an utterly do, useless language. Do you language still speak it? I I can still read in it, and I and I too once in a while. Um, do you keep up in it? No. 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 I I should. I, I the thing to do is. It's it's hard when you're not speaking it. Like I'll I'll occasionally go read Italian newspapers. Um, yeah, Italian newspapers are really funny. Um, yeah, so I, I I like it's it's just genuinely like super humorous. Um, I don't know if it's meant to be or if it's just like my ignorance as an American. Uh, but but if you're not speaking it actively, it's it's impossible to keep your chops. Um, well, for for our listeners, uh, all all three of you out there in in podcast land, uh, one of the most infuriating interactions I've had with Eric over the entire time <laughs> that I've known him was he came to visit me and my then girlfriend, uh, now wife in New York. And my wife speaks Italian and Eric speaks Italian. And we went out for drinks one night and they thought it would be funny <laughs> to speak in Italian for the entire night. So I sat there, this was before Twitter and Facebook were like on one popular phone. on phones yeah. yeah so i didn't even have like social media to scroll through yeah so i sat there twiddling my thumbs while eric and my uh and my and my girlfriend then uh, then girlfriend now wife spoke to each other in italian which was absolutely infuriating and well i first of, <laughs> first of all that is just 
rot with hyperbole like most of your uh, stories uh, that are critical <laughs> of me are. <laughs> I, I I apologize after the fact for excluding you as such. I I um I'm not much of a troll, but I I do troll JJ a lot. Um, yeah. Part of it is yeah. that you're you're easy and and fun to troll, um, and and your wife would I, agree with that. I think I'm a good sport, and I'm I'm a I'm a trollable target. I understand. Yeah. That. No, that's it's it's when both. You, it's both. You're a good sport and when you're. You live in, when you live your life in the extremes the way that I do, oh, it's, it's easy to it's easy to troll, but it's fine. It's fine. With that, we better wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again for listening, and uh, we'll let you know when the when the next podcast drops. Thanks so much, everyone.